No. <laughs> if you can say anything good about me, be sure to give the praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because I was headed to hell as happy as I could be because I didn't have any better sense when I met the Lord on my third escape from prison driving down the road in Galveston, Texas the first week of May of 1982. And it's because that encounter that I had with Jesus that my life has turned around. And if there's anything good in me, it's because of him. Amen. And that's the truth. Amen. We appreciate you and thank God for you and we thank God for his goodness and mercy. Yes. Father, we thank you for your holy written word that's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And I thank you this morning that you will think through my mind and speak through my lips as the very oracles of God that I may minister with the ability only which you can give. And Father, may you be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat> the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. I said the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Well, I'm sure that you got right after your homework assignment. Well, how many times is the word works in Revelations 2 and 3? Nine. Huh? Nine. How many? In the, in the Amplified, there was seven. In the Amplified Classic, I found seven. And then, and then the other that you said was, um, help me out here, Overcometh, Overcometh. yes. There was eight. Uh, hallelujah. Anybody else? You get any numbers? What'd you get? I've got nine in King James. King James, old brother King. <laughs> yes, it works. And it overcometh. Oh, they better straighten up, hadn't they? He said, I know thy works. He said, I know thy works, didn't he? So is works important to Jesus? Yes, they are. Are they important to the modern day church? No, they're not. Not the modern day church. They're not important. They'll tell you that Jesus doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I know their works. And in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3, there are seven sermons that Jesus preached. His sermons are as important or more important than what anybody else says. But most people don't read them and study them, but you do. And, uh, and they, again, those sermons are summaries of what he taught each church. Just summaries. It's not the entire sermon, but it's summaries. So he give you the idea of the, what he was saying so that, and what was important for us to know. But everything that he said to those seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 is applicable to us today. Isn't that right? And you remember we started off uh, in the service yesterday morning. We was talking about how that the Lord had awakened me on December the 30th. Actually, it became, I went to bed on December the 30th and I was awakened at 12.38 a.m. because I looked at the clock. And it was uh, 12.38, so that would make it December the 31st of 2023, which is just a few, you know, couple of months ago. And then I heard uh, something knocking, uh, you know, like somebody knocking on the door. And I heard four knocks, distinct, loud knocks. Knock, 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 knock. Then I heard it again. Knock, 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 knock. And it was so loud that I'm, you know, awake right away. And I'm thinking, 
Why is somebody knocking on my door? Because we got a doorbell. And it's lit up at night. You can even see it. If you touch a button, you know, that thing will ring and holler and whatever all else it does, you know. And so I was thinking about it, you know, about going to the door, and then it dawned on me. Why would somebody be ringing the doorbell? And, you know, I believe for a moment I got an intelligent thought. Miracles do happen. You know what I mean? And I thought, well, that's not the door. I'm hearing in the Spirit. Now, I thought this in a matter of seconds. I'm hearing this in the Spirit. I've had experiences with the Lord over the years, you know. So I just said right out loud, Lord, is that you? And then he immediately responded. And he spoke to me uh, based on uh, Revelations 3, the Laodicean church. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. And then, of course, we went there and we started in Revelation chapter 3. You remember that? Yes, sir. And then we discovered that there were seven sermons that Jesus preached yes. to seven different churches. And we discovered also that those seven sermons, they're summaries of what he taught those churches. Not the whole sermon, but summaries. They're just as important or more important than anything that anybody says anywhere, anytime. But most of the church world does not observe or pay attention to that. And that's not attacking anybody or putting anybody down. It's just somehow we've overlooked it. The devil makes sure we overlook things. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of good, important subjects and truths in the Bible that we should study. But if we should study anything, it's the seven sermons that Jesus taught in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And remember that during that time, the Lord spoke to me in that season because usually when the Lord shows up, not only does he say something, but usually revelation comes also. Will you receive something supernatural? And then that's when he began to show me and told me this. He said, the year of 2024 will be a year of great deception in the body of Christ. He said, I want you to hold a meeting this year. And he said, it's imperative you do it this year. And he said, deal with this subject. He said, I've anointed you and I did anoint you in 1984. I remember that day, April the 5th, 1984, approximately 1230 in the afternoon. It might have been 1238, the same time he woke me up, but right in there somewhere. He woke me up at tw- uh, or, and that day. Was, it was in the afternoon time, about 1230, might have been 1238. I don't know. He said, I, I told you that day, my anointing came on you, and I'm anointing you today to enter into the ministry that I called you to. So that was 1984. And he gave me a special anointing to deal with devils, demons, and evil spirits. He also gave me supernatural insight and wisdom into how they operate and what they do. Amen. And then the Lord began to use me along those lines, and still does, and I deal with things many times behind the scenes that publicly I don't ever tell anybody because people have a tendency to get to demon conscious and devil kooky when you deal with these things. Now that wouldn't be you, but you want to get the recording for somebody else, you know. But uh, so some things I learned over the years, uh, just not tell everything publicly or, or say everything publicly. And, of course, we do need to know things. And that doesn't mean, let me balance that out. That doesn't mean that I know everything about this particular subject, about demons and devils and evil spirits and things like that. But I do have a, 
wisdom about it that the Lord taught me Amen. over these years, since 1984 to now. That's a few years back. Isn't that right? How many yeah. years is that? Yeah. 84 to 20, 24? What? How many years? Yeah. How many? 40. Say it again. 40. 40. 40. Yeah. Hey, I've been to Merseyside. He says it different than I do. But I've been there. I've been to Liverpool to see the Beatles and they weren't there. I've been over there. I was trying to get to Merseyside by train. And I got off the train and I didn't see the train to Merseyside. So I went and talked to the Bobby. You know what a Bobby is? And I said, I said, the police officer, yeah. And I said, uh, I'm from the U.S. I said, I'm supposed to get you trained here to go to Merseyside. I said, oh, sir. He said, they're on strike. <laughs> you can't get a train to Merseyside today. And the only way for me to arrive at my destination was by cab. Remember the little black cabs? They got a black cabs in England. They got suicide doors on them. They open back. That's what we call them, suicide doors. And so we, we had to hire a cab, a taxi cab, to take us up there. I think it was over a hundred and something dollars U.S. to go up there. But it was either that or walk. And I'd rather pay the money instead of walk. <laughs> and they told me over there, they said, you are murdering the Queen's English. <laughs> And I think the queen left and went to Canada while I was there. So <laughs> she said, is that fellow over here talking like that? <laughs> so God is a good God. And you've accomplished your homework assignment. You know what's going on. So the Lord talked to me about that, about holding the seminar. And so we're ha having a seminar in April, you know, uh, beginning April the 30th through May the 2nd. And we're doing it in a church. We're going to use their facilities, put on our own meeting in Dayton, Tennessee. And uh, it's going to be about authority over demons and seducing spirits. Seducing spirits are in great operation today. And we've been talking about those, remember? Yeah. And so if you will, we're going to go back and hook up. Remember the train car? Yeah. We're going to go back and hook up to that spiritual train, so to speak. Said, where did you learn this from? I learned it from Dr. Kenneth e. Hagen. Dad Hagen. You know, I call him that as a term of endearment, not disrespect, yeah. great respect. But he would say his, his, uh, his uh, sermons were like boxcars or train cars, you know. Yeah. He said he never got through. He just unhooked and then went back, hooked back up the next day and took off. Yeah. And so I learned how he done that. Yeah. I learned how to do that in the spirit. Don't mean I know it all, but I learned how to do that from him. And so we're going to turn again to 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's where you wanted to get to. Because if we went back to Revelations and covered all that again, then we would never continue on like we should. So 1 Timothy chapter 4. Thank God for His goodness. And probably during this series of meetings, we're going to give some free permanent waves. Permanent waves, you ladies won't have to go to beauty parlor no more. You know, they used to call them beauty parlors. And you could go to beauty parlor. Y'all went there to get beauty. <laughs> you won't have to go to beauty parlor. 
And, and you may as well get a permanent wave. You won't have to get no more of them permanents no more. But in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. First of all, you identify who is actually doing the talking. We know it's the Apostle Paul, but who is he talking in behalf of? The Spirit. In other words, this is not Paul's idea. This is not something Paul came up with. This is not an, uh, an ideology or any of Paul's theology. This is what the Holy Ghost is saying. And so he's telling us that. He said here, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Notice it said that in the latter times. So that denotes a specific period of time and place that this is going to transpire, right? So the latter times. So when is the latter times? Well, the latter days actually began on the day, you know, when Jesus founded the church. But now we are in the latter days, if we ever were going to be. We're in the latter days. So he said, in the latter times, or latter days, some shall do what? Depart from the faith. That means some is going to depart, but that means that some of us don't have to. That the choice is ours. Amen. You know what I mean? I'm not going to depart from the faith. Some shall depart from the faith, and how are they going to do it? And we discovered this yesterday, remember? We're looking back up to the train car. We discovered that, that some shall depart from the faith. How can you depart from the faith? He is not talking, because some people try to take this passage of Scripture and say, well, this don't apply to the church. You know, the modern church don't, wasn't, don't want to believe these things like this about departing from the faith because some people believe that once saved, always saved. And I do believe that. Once saved, always saved, as long as you stay saved. And remember, the country way to say it is, if you look like the devil, you smell like the devil, you talk like the devil, and walk like the devil, you is the devil. And that's the truth about it. And the modern day church don't want to understand that either. Not attacking anybody, but just telling the truth. There are qualifications to go to heaven. If there were no qualifications to go to heaven, then Jesus wasted his time by coming and, and shedding his blood on the cross, being crucified, being buried and raised again. He wasted his time. Because everybody would be going to heaven and everybody is not going to heaven. <clears throat> in fact, there was a guy, a very credible individual, very credible individual that... Uh, actually died and had an experience and the Lord allowed him to see into, and this is not a weird individual I'm talking about, but allowed him to see into the realm of the Spirit and in the process of approximately an hour or so, he was allowed to see people that died on earth and then where they went, how their spirits left their bodies and where they went to. And so he began to count because angels were escorting him in this region. He was in the second heaven, you know, not the third heaven. He was in the second heaven. He was allowed to see these things and uh, when people would die. And there was a certain amount of people that died during this time period on, on earth. And what he saw out of this time period, it wasn't very long, hour, no more than two hours that 97% of the people that died in that period went to hell. Only 3% went to heaven. 
97% of the people he saw during that time period, you know, he figured it up mathematically. He was a math guy, you know. He figured it up, and 97% of the people that he saw die went to hell. Only 3% went to heaven. Now, you say, well, Brother Randy, I thought everybody's going to heaven. It's, there are qualifications to go. And let me talk to you. About, can I talk to you? Can we take a little side journey? Sometimes they're just as important as the main thought here. It's not that God does not want us to go to heaven. He wants every human being to go to heaven that's on this planet. But he don't want you there if you don't want to be there. Because you're going to mess it up. He didn't have to throw Satan and part of the angels out because they messed it up. And he don't want everybody there that don't want to be there. He wants everybody there, but if you don't want to go, he don't want you to be there. So so you can rebel and tear up something and create another ruckus and start a war in heaven. He don't want you there. So what you are is you're going through a testing time and a proving time here on this earth, and that's why he hadn't already ended this thing. That's why he's been allowing creation to go on like it should. That's why that he, he visited Abraham. Because he was trying to start a covenant with man. That's why he visited Noah. Because he didn't want to destroy the human race. He loved us. He wanted somebody to fellowship with him. Somebody that was like him. We're made in the image and likeness of God. So he don't want people to be in heaven that don't want to be there. So that's why he don't make a whole haul and take us all. He wants you to go because you want to go. And if you don't want to go, he don't force you to go because all you're going to be is trouble. And you're going to try to create. Well, so how can you do that against God? The devil did. He was Lucifer. The highest ranking one up there. And Lucifer, he actually led rebellion against God and he saw God and was in heaven with God. So it's not that God doesn't want everybody there, but he don't want you there if you don't want to be there. And if you want to be there, there are some things that the Bible tells us to do to prove to God that you want to be there. Of course, first and foremost, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. Amen. That's what you do. Yeah. Yes. And I'm not saying that, there, you, know, you know, that through our life, I'm not saying that we're perfect on this earth and you don't have to reach your own perfection because if you did, ain't none of us are going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good English, but you understand it. Yeah. Right. Ain't none of us are going. Yeah. We're going because of the blood, shed blood of the Lamb. Amen. So along through life, he's knocking some rough spots off of us, you know. And we're learning, we're growing, we're developing. But I'll I'll tell you a secret. You want to know a secret? Now this is inside information. Whatever you don't get here, you're going to get it when you get there. You're going to go to school when you get there. So you might as well apply yourself down here. My board member... uh, 
Brother Lou, he was Italian. He was out of the mafia people, got saved. <laughs> His kinfolk were. And he's actually Italian. He's a member of the Italian band. But he's kind of given to having uh, visions and dreams. And uh, one night he had a spiritual vision. He came to me just weeping and crying. He said, Brother Randy, it was after Dr. Dufresne passed away. He said, uh, Brother Randy, he said, I had a supernatural experience. And he said, I hadn't shared it with anybody. Can I share it with you so you can judge it? He said, I was caught up into heaven. And he said, I was walking with uh, uh, Brother Hagin. And he said, he said some things to me uh, about you. And I'm just to bring you a message. But also, he said, what I saw that amazed me that I didn't know was happening he said, I saw a large, gigantic auditorium. I don't know. It was probably million people. I don't know. Millions. And he said, Dr. Dufresne was teaching those people things that they did not get on earth. And he said, Dad Hagen was doing the same thing. He was one of the teachers. It was in a giant auditorium. So what you don't get here, you're going to get there. Because the Lord wants us to go into eternity and live together serving Him. So I know my granny now had this picture of what heaven's like over her fireplace. The old stone fireplace where the logs are burning and roaring, fire running. And she had a picture up there with a little baby that was naked playing a harp floating on a cloud. And that's what heaven was. Let me tell you something. You ain't going to be no naked baby playing no harp when you get to heaven. <laughs> and I'm not being vulgar, but you've seen the pictures, you know. The old time pictures. Granny used to have one of her fireplace. And that was her endearment of going, what it's going to be like to be in heaven. No, you're going to still be progressing and growing because we're going into eternity. Which has no end whatsoever. So the reason, we started off this about qualifications. The reason there are qualifications to go to heaven is because God don't want anybody there that does not want to be there. And he don't want people there. It's going to cause a rebellion there once they get there. So you can't cause rebellion in heaven. We'll go tell Lucifer that. Go tell the angels that rebelled against God. They were in heaven. And rebelled against God. Now it's mind boggling to us. But they actually done it. They rebelled against God. They were in heaven with God. They saw God and knew God. What we would call on a daily basis. They lived in something that they didn't have time there. And you won't know time there either in a sense. So that's what we're in now. Is we're in a proving time. We're in a testing time. And that's why God has allowed creation to go on as long as it has. Because he's trying to take as many as he can to heaven and bring as many as he can. But he only wants those to come there that want to go there. And so that's why we have the Bible and we have an instruction manual about what we should do to prove ourselves and prove to God that we want to be there. That we're not going to be scallywags when we get there and try to rebel against God, you know, and all that. Yes, we know that the only blood of Jesus, I, I agree, the blood of Jesus is the only thing that's going to get us there. That's the truth. And he'll forgive us of our sins. I mean, if you slip and trip, remember we talked about it yesterday. Don't quit and don't give up. Because he's not there to try to keep you out. He's doing everything he can to bring you in. So he's not against you. He's for you. So 
Don't get into condemnation and everything. If you slip and trip, you'd ask the Lord to forgive you and get up and go on. Because he's with you. He's on your side. He's continually perfecting us. He's working on us. Like I said, if we don't get it all here, we'll get the rest of it when we get there. Hallelujah. Thank God for his goodness. Now, how did you get me off into all this? That was a side journey, but it's just as good as the main journey. Isn't that right? So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he said they'll depart from the faith. Remember, we got talking about that in this sense. Depart from the faith. You can't depart from somewhere if you're not there. The reason that you can depart from this facility today is because you're here. If you was here, when it's not here, you can't depart from here. So this is not talking about those who are not saved. It is talking about those that have confessed their faith in Jesus Christ. But he said, some shall depart from the faith. Thank God he didn't say all of us. But he said, some shall depart from the faith. How will they depart? It tells you in the Bible. Giving heed, paying attention to, listening to what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The devil has doctrines just like Jesus does. They're counterfeit doctrines. He twists the Bible. He twists the Bible in order to confuse you. Dad Hagen used to say it this way. Every false doctrine in the church world has an element of truth. Because if it didn't, you wouldn't receive it. It has an element of truth to it. And, and, and if you know anybody that's in false doctrine, if you read their books and materials, you'll find out that some of the things they say are very, very good. But that's just to get you in. And then once you get in and you say, oh, man, this is great. This is good. This is grand. And the next thing you know, I don't know about that. But everything you have said, that must be true too. No. If it's a doctrine of the devil, it is a doctrine of the devil. Well, how do you know it's a doctrine of the devil? What does the Bible say? If it does not agree with the Bible, it is a doctrine of the devil. And that's the truth. Some shall uh, uh, depart from the faith, giving heed, paying attention to, listening to, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So there's two things that he said there. Now, one thing, Jesus said this, and, you know, in the book of, uh, in, the, in the New Testament when he was here, when he was talking about uh, what it was going to be like in the end days. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was it like during the days of Noah? What else? What else? You can't fail the test. You can just, I mean, you, huh? Yeah. Yeah, evil. Very evil. Yeah. Same thing. Yes. And that's exactly what I said to the Lord. Everything you're saying. I said everything. It's like the Lord said, because he asked me a question. How was it during the days of Noah? And I, I started saying the same things you're saying. I might not have heard everything, but the same things. And I was right. And you're right. He said, yes, but you're losing one thing out. I said, I am. What? What? What, Lord? He said, in the days of Noah, it was the greatest deception that had ever hit the planet. Only eight people believed in God. Everybody else on the planet was deceived. 
They were seduced. Isn't that right? And I th- that was revelation to me. I'd never thought about it. It was the time of the greatest deception on earth. Only eight people believed God. Eight. Noah and his immediate family. That was it. Every single other human being did not agree with God nor believe in God or what Noah said. Why? They were deceived by the devil. So the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, the more deception is going to increase. Because I think, like I had look, overlooked it. The Lord just recently talked to me about this. He said, yes. He said, what was it like during the days of Noah? And I started calling out everything, you know, like you would and, and like the Bible tells us, you know. He said, but you're overlooking one thing. It was a time of the greatest deception that the world has ever known. And he said, before my return, he said, that deception is going to be on this earth just like it was in the days of Noah. Only eight people, eight people out of the entire human race, only eight people were saved. The rest of them were seduced and deceived. And they all died. Not believing in God. And they all went to hell. I said they went to hell. They went to hell. Brother Randy, you hard. No, I'm real. I'm real. There was no fear of God in that day. There was no respect of God in that day. None. And we're in that, we're moving in them times greater every day. Listen, you know people don't respect God because they don't even respect human beings no more. They don't. Yes, they don't. That's why we have to have the Bobby, <laughs> the police officers. And we need to loose them and let them go. Listen, you know when they have all them riots and all that kind of stuff up there and they don't know what to do and they let them march down there, I could solve it in five minutes. Listen, I'm old ex convict. I know how to fix it. You know what I do? I'd get the United States military, I'd get the aviators that know how to fly them helicopters, and I would put spray machines on them and put sleeping gas on it and fly over them and knock them all out, and I'd have the National Guard there, the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, police officers, Coast Guard, International Guard, in-between guard, and I'd have zip ties on them. We'd zip tie every one of them and take them to a big warehouse and throw them in there and line them up against the wall and pray for them. My God! <laughs> boys have ways of solving problems. You know, one time they was having a rap with ladies. You know what I mean? And ladies have a pertinence, you know, that you just can't grab them like you do a man, kind of, you know? You're trying to treat them a little different. And they wouldn't, didn't know how to deal with all these ladies that was starting this ruckus, you know? And I said, call me, call me, call me, call me. What would you do? I'd get the military. And I'd get all the little rats I could find. And I would take them up in the helicopter. 
and I would drop them rats out where them ladies are, and my God, they'd get up on the table and get on top. <laughs> they may be mean standing on the ground, but when that rat hits, they go. My God, it don't matter where they at. I can solve problems. I'm here to tell you. Tell them up yonder in Washington to call me. We'll solve some of these problems. <laughs> I mean, they climb on top of a table because of tater bug. My God, much less a rat. Tater bug, they'll come. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, I grew up grabbing wasps' nests and killing them in my hand like that. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> She's passing out. <laughs> Don't you try this at home. I mean... <laughs> But we was in the country. Yeah. Yeah. He went out in the barn. I mean, it's going to sting the animals. I just reach up and grab them. Coom, kill them. Saw my daddy do it. I thought he was crazy. <laughs> and then I just uh, decided to join him. <laughs> but it's amazing. How did we get into all that? That was a side journey. Is that what it was? Huh? Deceived. Deceived, he said. So... In the days of Noah, what, what was happening is sometimes we overlook, and the Lord showed me this. I didn't come up with it. That uh, the thing that we sometimes overlook most of the time is that the world's greatest deception was happening in Noah's day. Eight people, eight people believed in God. Eight people received their salvation. Because you had to be in that ark to be saved, which is a type of Jesus. Isn't that right? It's a type of Jesus. Yeah. You had to be in that ark. Yeah. And they wasn't in the ark. Yeah. Said, Brother Randy, what if, what if all those people had decided that they were going to do what God said? God would have made provision. Said, how? That's up to him. But he would have made provision. Because he's not going to leave any of his children out. I can tell you that right now. So it said, some shall depart from the faith. What? Giving heed or paying attention to seducing spirits. And doctrines of devils. Yeah. Now remember what you taught me yesterday. Remember? Remember what you taught me is, because we wanted to ask the question, you said, how is someone seduced by a seducing spirit? What's the number one way somebody's seduced by a seducing spirit? Somebody that's already seduced by a seducing spirit. The number one way that the enemy seduces other people Satan is through someone else that's already been seduced by it. And usually it's a very popular person that knows a lot of people and is able to influence a lot of people. Now, that's, that's, uh, there are exceptions to that. Because the devil can use people to in, in influence smaller crowds. You remember one time they had this guru guy that was teaching them and he told this, this group of people that followed him, you know. And he said this comet was coming over earth. Remember that? And they need to drink this poison. All of them got in bed and drank the poison. They was going to catch the comet. Yeah. Well, that was a smaller group. Yeah. And then Jim Jones, yeah. you remember that? Yeah. I see most of you here that's old enough to remember this. Some of you won't. But you remember the story of Jim Jones? Well, he didn't influence the whole world, but he had them drinking, what was it, the Kool-Aid? Remember what the saying came, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Remember? And he influenced them people to drink some. And some got away, you remember? Because they realized this, this guy's crazy. Finally. But they were down in the jungles and they found them dead. 
Because he convinced them that this is what to do. The world's coming to an end, and this is it. You know, he convinced them all. You know, they killed, I think they killed some U.S. senators, too. At least one. Before, before all this, didn't they shoot him? They shot him, yes. Because he flew in down there trying to straighten that stuff out. But anyway... So the, the general rule is it's going to be, if the devil's trying to influence a lot of people, maybe even worldwide, he's going to try to pick out somebody that's got a big, large voice to be able to do that. And usually the number one way that the devil is going to seduce somebody is through someone else that's already seduced by it. So he'll work on one individual. And there are exceptions to that, but as a general rule. And then number two, remember, if he can't get them, what is it? He'll try to come to you and convince you that what he's saying is true, even though it does not agree with the Bible. So that's why we should always adhere to what God's Word says. If it's not written in the Bible, don't accept it. I don't care who says it. If it can't be proved, and I'm not talking about just an isolated scripture that's twisted, you know what I mean? To make it mean something. No, in the mouth of two or three scriptures, prove everything out. Because the Bible is filled with principles, and we thank God for it. We, we live by the principles of the Word of God. So we know that the devil is trying to seduce people and get them away from God. But we, you and I, remember, are not going to be seduced, and we're not going to turn away from God. So let's look at some more scriptures, if you want to. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Remember we talked about, what we started talking about was how the devil operates. Remember, that's what we started talking about yesterday, basically. I don't know if what we titled it or anything, but basically that's how we've done it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. says here, verse number 12 of 2 Corinthians 11, says, but what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off, this is the Apostle Paul speaking about the Holy Ghost, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that therein they may glory, that they may be found even as we. Verse 13, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Notice they're doing it themselves. Christ is not doing it. Verse 14, he said, and no marvel, he said, don't marvel at this because they're doing that. For Satan himself is transformed into what? An angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. There's that word works again. Isn't that right? And, and here he's talking about works. He's just not talking about physical acts. He's talking about spiritual things too. It says that Satan is transformed to an angel of light. There's no great thing of its ministers. So the devil, let me look at this. It says no great thing. Let's read verse 14 and 15 again. I'm going to show, show, show you something. It says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his what? Whose ministers? How do you know? How do you know? 
Remember, it's an open book test. The Bible says so. Satan has ministers and preachers just like God does. He has counterfeits. Satan has counterfeits. You just told me it's in the Bible. It says, no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, his preachers, also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. Lord, they got the appearance of walking with God. But when you really examine them carefully, their doctrine is not right. Whose end shall be according to their works. And it's not just talking about physical actions. It's talking about spiritual doctrines too. That's involved in that. But notice here, just like Jesus has ministers and preachers that preach the gospel, the devil has the same thing. To espouse his what? His false doctrine. Doctrines of devils. And so he has to deceive people to get them to do this. But he can do it. And that don't mean we have to be afraid of him. And I'm going to tell you before this meeting is over how you will never be seduced. I'm going to tell you before the meeting's over how to never be seduced and deceived. Because you can live a life where you will never, not bragging on yourself, but you will never be deceived on this planet. The devil cannot deceive you. And we'll talk about that. Now, another thing, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I'm just taking through some scriptures here. Why are we doing this? Because the Lord began to talk to me about this. And uh, when he woke me up and told me to do this. And start talking about these things this year. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verse number 5. Why don't we just start reading in, in verse 1. To get the whole impact of what he's saying. There. Now we beseech you brethren. By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lords, pay attention. I'm going to talk to you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's what that means. And by our gathering together unto him. We're going to be caught away with him. That you be not soon shaken in mind. Or troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. He said, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, except there come a what? A falling away. You can't fall away from something if you're not there. A falling away first, that what? That the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, he's going to proclaim himself to be God, he's going to proclaim himself to be God, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself. He's going to say, by himself, I'm God. He said, remember you not, verse 5, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. In other words, he, he talked about these things before. He said, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doeth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. 
Now, there's different thoughts and ideas about that, but I know this. God will have to allow the devil to come on the scene. But the way that that's going to happen is because of the church, they say, being taken out of here. <clears throat> but verse 8, and that's not what I want to get to. And this, I want to go on down through here and show you something. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, the brightness of his coming means the second time that Jesus comes to the earth. This is not talking about the rapture. This is talking about when he comes back to the earth to rule and reign here for a thousand years. This is what I want to get to. Even him, it describes this person. It describes it right here. Even him, or this being, even him whose coming is after the working of who? Satan. With what? With all power and what? Signs and what? Lying wonders. When the Lord showed me this, I wrote this beside this verse in my Bible. Satan works miracles to deceive. Notice he comes with all power, signs, and what? Lying wonders. Satan works miracles. He has the ability to work miracles, not like God, but he has the ability to do miraculous things, and the reason he does that is to deceive people. He does that. And say, so, well, where is that in the Bible? Well, if you remember, Moses and Aaron went down to Pharaoh because God sent them down there and said, let my people go. Isn't that right? And then God had already gave uh, Moses supernatural power and ability that worked through God. And so they threw their staff down before Pharaoh, remembering it turned into a snake. Remember the evil magic workers, so to speak, devil worshipers that worked for Pharaoh, they threw their stick down and it became a snake too. Isn't that right? But then what happened? The snake of Aaron and Moses gobbled up the other one. Isn't that right? Isn't that what happened? And then though, if you notice, you read, go back and read that passage, you'll find out that the evil devil worshipers Match Moses and Aaron, miracle for miracle, up to a point. And then the devil worshipers came and told Pharaoh after a while, said, hey, we we can't match this. Said, this is a mighty power of God. You better let these folks alone. And that's what the devil worshipers told Pharaoh. In other words, these people have got a whole lot more power than we do. But did they have power by the devil? Yes, they did. Pharaoh's people did. They had power, demonic power was operating through them to cause those things to happen. Just like when Moses and Aaron worked in miracles, it was God's power. But the devil's power is limited. The Lord told me one time, I was preaching down in uh, Florida, and the anointing came on me and he said that he had the devil on a chain. The devil, I got, it's on my website. If you go to my website, rgm.me, rgm.me, and go to our store, you can get instant downloads off of that thing, you know. Just don't hit the wrong button. It may draw you up in it. You know, I don't know. It may bring you up. You might get translated. But you can get all this stuff, you know, on there. You can just go through and look at titles after titles. And But he gave me a message that the devil's on a chain. You remember that? Yes. I actually printed a newsletter, and you can read our archived newsletters 
on there also. There's a lot of free stuff on there, free. You can listen to uh, questions that, that people have today. We have Brother Hagin answering questions that people ask today. Got his voice on there where you can listen to him. And it's not real long. It just answers simple questions that people have today. Actually, we deal with a lot of false doctrine and let him answer it. That's not the way we put it on there because people would never read it just in a progressive church if we did. But we ask simple questions and then say, click this button and see what Brother Hagin said. And it's right on my website, rgn.me. Visions I've had, things that the Lord has shown me over Revelations, it's right on there. You can just go on there and read it. Uh, free recordings, all kinds of stuff is on there. Just go over there and look at it, rgm.me. It's a lot of that that's on there. My books and my life story, all kinds of stuff. There's an e-book, a regular book, my book, your book, false book, what something. I don't know what all they got, you know. They, they, they do that at the office. So Moses and Aaron worked miracles, but so did the devil worshipers of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the devil's power is limited. And the reason the devil works miracles is to what? Deceive. Deceive. That's what he does. He works miracles to deceive. And then, you know, sometimes it's just pure charlatans people doing things. But anyway, the devil can, devil works miracles to deceive. So giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You know what I mean? So he works miracles to deceive. But notice he comes with all satanic power uh, and lying wonders. After working of Satan with all signs and wonders. So lines and wonders. All power and signs and lying wonders. That's what he comes by. Now, I'm going to go ahead and get into this controversial subject. Let me see. Y'all keep the doors open, boys. <laughs> I got the Bobby here with me. And I, I say this in love. You understand this. And, but uh, some people in the body of Christ don't want to hear it. And I didn't even know it. It came to me by revelation. I was in North Georgia preaching in a meeting. And this particular meeting, it was kind of an extended meeting. It went on. Uh, you know, for many days. And we started having prayer meetings in the morning. You know, if you remember going to Brother Hagin's meetings, he would have prayer at the end. Sometimes it wouldn't be real long, but it would be prayer meetings. You remember that, these morning services. So we got to kind of follow in that format. And so one morning, we was in prayer, and it was on a Friday morning. And the way we would do, we would, would go through the week and stop Friday morning and then take off. And then I would start again Sunday night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it was kind of an extended meeting. Yeah. And so people could rest and do anything. And the pastor would preach on Sunday morning. And sometimes I'd have to go here and go there. But I'd, I'd be back, you know. And then we'd have two services a day during the week. Except on Friday, we'd just have a morning service and not have a Friday night service. And so I'm walking back and forth praying and just worshiping the Lord, glorifying the Lord. We're praying about God's plan, God's purposes take place, and His will. We're just submitting ourselves to Him. Got no specific agenda except to worship and praise God, you know, and glorify Him. And suddenly, I'm in the Spirit, and I have a vision. And in this vision, I saw a dark cloud 
coming off the Atlantic Ocean, and I saw the United States of America. And I saw this dark cloud moving quickly across the United States of America. Well, I knew that the dark cloud, by revelation, not because the Lord told me verbally, but when you're in the Spirit... Sometimes you, you hate to share things because people misunderstand them. But when you're in the Spirit, you don't have to talk. He knows your thoughts and you yeah. know His thoughts. He knows your thoughts. Jesus said, I know all men. He didn't lie about that. Instantly, He could look at you and tell everything you were thinking and what you were about, your environment, where you come from, how you was brought up, where you was going, and what you was going to do. He knew that. Now, I'm not Jesus, so I can't do that. But when you're in the Spirit, you don't have to just mouth words. Because He knows what you're thinking. But I saw that dark cloud. And then instantly I knew that that cloud was a demonic cloud that was trying to infiltrate the United States of America, but specifically and especially the body of Christ. The devil is not after the world or the lost. Why? He already has them. That's a revelation, isn't that right? So who is he after? His job is to get after you. Well, do you know what your job is? Your job is to get after him. When Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan by John and the Holy Ghost came on him, then God said, go out in the wilderness to be tempted, tested, tried of the devil 40 days and 40 nights. Now, a lot of people think, and I did too for years till God showed me different. I thought what was happening is God was seeking the devil on Jesus. And the Lord corrected me one day. He said, no, that's not true. He said, I was seeking Jesus on the devil. Go get him, boys. Go get him. Because he was the second prototype of the human race. He was the second Adam. Jesus was. The first Adam was defeated in the garden. But the second Adam was going into the wilderness and confront the devil face to face with all his power. And he came out with all glory and power and signs and wonders in the name. Isn't that right? He did. So God was sicking Jesus on the devil. And that's what he's doing with us. So the devil's job is to try to get us. It's our job to straighten him out. Isn't that right? So anyway, I knew that this cloud was a demonic cloud and it was coming after the church and it was quickly moving across the the United States. Then the word of the Lord came. So I heard this, you know, not just do it by revelation. Now don't pass out, don't get under the seat. You're not going to hell, so just hang on. Because many people got caught up in it. Some still are. He said... What is known as the gold dust phenomenon, this is what the Lord said. Just hear me out before you pass out. Don't throw, don't kill me yet. He said, what is known as the gold dust phenomenon and the precious jewels appearing is of demonic origin. He said, the ones that stand at the forefront of this, and immediately I knew it was a woman and a man. I didn't know them. I had no knowledge of this. You understand? I had no knowledge of it. I'm just standing in the office that God put me in. He showed me this. He said, they will be removed from the scene. Two of them. I knew it was a woman and I knew it was a man. And he said, they'll be removed from the scene. 
For I have given them space to repent, and they have failed to do so, and they are hindering my people greatly, and I cannot allow it any longer. And I thought, oh my Lord. Well, people, I I was talking to the Lord. and, And people heard what I was saying, and it was recorded. You know, I'm in the Spirit, so I don't realize what I'm doing. I'm not aware of my physical surroundings. And so I'm talking to the Lord during this time and saying those things to the Lord back and forth, you know. And so then when it was over, then the pastor come to me and he said, Brother Randy, you know what you said? (laughs) What did I say? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that was on a Friday. He said, the one that stands at the forefront of this gold dust phenomenon and stuff like that will be removed from the scene. And, and anew, again, that would be a, a woman and a man. Well, that was on a Friday. Well, it traveled like wildfire from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. One, you know, what they got? Uh, teletype, telemarket, telephone, and telewoman. You want to <laughs> excuse me? Excuse me, ladies. Excuse me, ladies. What the reason is, the reason, listen, the reason I'm, 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 reason I'm talking about the ladies Listen, I'm on your side. It's, it's because of this. Because men don't do anything but grunt. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't talk. You know how that goes. So if any communication is going to go on, it's going to have to be the ladies that, that shares it. Because they just grunt and groan and carry on. That's about, about what the men does, you know. And the one reason they don't say anything to men because they don't know what to say. <laughs> and it's best to keep your mouth shut. But anyway, it traveled out of this meeting. Went from one to the other. Pastors that knew me and said, Brother Andy prophesied this. Well, I didn't prophesy nothing. The Lord said it. I'm just saying what the Lord said. Well, that was on a Friday. Well, the following Friday, I was driving to Birmingham, Alabama. I lived in Georgia then. I was driving to Birmingham, Alabama because I was going to meet Dad Hagen there and he's going to start a meeting there at Reverend Scott Webb's church in Birmingham, Alabama. He's going to do, a, I think, a three-week meeting in that church. So I was driving and all of a sudden I got a phone call from Pastor Steve, a friend of mine up in uh, Pennsylvania. He said, Brother Randy, he said, did you, did you hear what happened? I said, no, Pastor Steve. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know so-and-so and called this lady's name. And wonderful lady, by the way. I looked her up and I'd heard her before. She was greatly mightily used to God. You know what I mean? To help a lot of people. So that shows you that even the best can be deceived if you get off the line of the Word of God. I said, what happened? What, 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 what is it? He said, she just died. Seven days later from what the Lord told me that. Six months later, the one that was second in charge, the man, he died. He died. Approximately six months, not to the day. But he died. Now, you say, well, did did the Lord kill him? No, the Lord didn't kill him. The Lord gave him space to repent. And their disobedience by not repenting opened the door to the devil. And the devil took their life. Now you say, well, can that happen? Well, let me tell you a story about Brother Hagin. It's a side journey. Keep the doors open, boys. But anyway, keep... a side journey, but it, but it helps. Brother Hagin, Dad Hagin, we called him. 
he was, uh, had messed up his elbow, chipped his elbow, jumping around in church. He jumped up, and, and while he was coming down, he was coming down on top of this recorder. He was preaching, you know, and he jumped up on the platform, but he had a reel-to-reel tape recorder sitting there years ago, and he tried to change his landing position in flight, and he didn't have no wings to do that. He didn't have no tail feathers or rudders or nothing. And so he went sideways, and when he fell, he come down on his elbow, and he actually dislocated his elbow. Rough, bad. In fact, the doctor said later it would have been better if you broke your arm. Yeah. He goes, this right here is just going to have to heal on its own. There ain't really a whole lot we can do to it. Tendons and all that and muscles coming loose from his elbow, you know, and stuff like that. So anyway, here he is, and uh, he had to go to the hospital that night. They did. Well, you know, nowadays, you know, you can cut your head off and they just let you lay out here. Or you, or you can go into open heart surgery and you go in the front door and five minutes or an hour, two hours later, they roll you out in the back. You know, they split you wide open from top to bottom and that, uh, uh, you know, embarrassment gown on you, you know what I mean? And, and, and they take you down the hall of the hospital. Get out of the bed, doctor, won't you walk? We need this bed to put somebody else in. They gave my board member one one time, Brother Bill, if you were watching, I'm going to tell on you. Brother Bill, they gave him one of them gowns and he put it on backwards. My board member, but he's very intelligent. He never even been around no hospital, you know. And the nurse had to correct him. You know, you got things turned the wrong way here, Mister Bill. We need to get things going the other way. You can shine the back end, but not the front end. You know what I mean? <laughs> got to soothe some of this stuff over, you know. So Dad Hagen went to the hospital. They admitted him, you know, just for observation. And he stayed there overnight and uh, everything. And, and the next day, he was lying there in the bed. And he heard footsteps coming down the hall about 6 o'clock in the evening. You'll recall this story. I see people shaking their heads. And I'm not telling the whole story. But anyway, he heard footsteps. And so he fully expected to be a doctor, a nurse, especially a nurse, that's coming to check on him or something. Because it wasn't visiting hours or nothing like that. And so they come walking down, and he said the first thing he saw was kind of a, a white robe kind of thing, and he thought it was a nurse, you know, with a white dress on or something. And, and the door had been open about eight inches, six to eight inches. And he said then somebody pushed the door open and walked in and pushed it back too, and he looked up, and guess who it was? Jesus. It was Jesus. He said every hair stood up on the back of his neck, on his arms, goose pimples popped out all over and he was seeing Jesus as real as he had ever seen any other person in his life. I'm talking about missing God. And God allowing you to die. Allowing you. Because you won't repent. It's not God killing you. You get on the devil's territory. I'm going to tell you what Jesus told him. Jesus walked into the room. And he had his eyes glued on him. Just like me and you would do. He walked across the hospital room. He got a, a straight back chair to sit in. Jesus did. And he pulled that chair away from the wall, a physical chair. He pulled it up beside Dad Hagen's bed there in the hospital and he sat down in that chair, folded his hands in his lap and he said, now I've come to talk to you about what I told you I would talk to you about on the way to the hospital the other night. And he had had an experience with the Lord in, in the car. I mean, where the Lord spoke to him. And I'm not going into that. But anyway, he was correcting Dad Hagen. He said, you know that I did not do this to you. Yeah. He said, the devil done it. 
He said, now, even though the devil done it, you may see here and ask me, did I know it was going to happen? He said, yes, I knew it was going to happen. He said, now, before you get angry at me for not stopping it from happening, because I could have if I'd have wanted to, he said, you should thank me because I allowed it to happen. For had I not permitted this to happen and Satan to do this to you to get your attention, you would have not lived past the age of 55 years old. You would have died by the time you reached 55. You would not live beyond that. Rama started, Rama Bible Training Center started when he was 57. There would have been no Rama. But notice, Jesus didn't do it. He permitted it or allowed it. He said, this has happened to you because you've got into disobedience and this is the third time that I've had to talk to you about this. And what he was doing is Dad Hagen was putting his teaching office ahead of his prophet's office. And Jesus needed that prophet's office to come to the forefront, but it gets a lot of persecution. When you get to telling the gold dust and then some of y'all, you know, been involved in that. And then you want to attack the preacher. Listen, I'm not, don't attack the preacher. I'm just a messenger boy. And I'm not belittling nobody. But everything, this is something to learn. Everything that's miraculous that's not, is not of God. It's not. The devil works miracles to deceive. He comes with all satanic lines, signs, and wonders. He works miracles to deceive. He's limited into what he can do. But he can do things to deceive. Yes. And he does. Yeah, he does. And so, Dad Hagen repented. He got it right. And then that's when the Lord taught him about how to be led by the Spirit of God. Do you know that book that he's got, Dad Hagen had, Kenneth e. Hagen, called How to Be Led by the Spirit of God? It came from that visitation where Jesus appeared to him. Knocked the dust off of it. Amen. Come on. Amen. Not knocked the dust off of it. And read it. But Jesus taught him. You can read this story in there. You can read parts of this story in there. But basically the book's about how to be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus taught him there when he visited him how you can be led by the Spirit of God. How you don't have to miss it. How you can follow the Lord. So that's a good book for you to look at. So Satan does work, and that's how I got into this. We read that scripture about Satan coming with all Align signs and wonders because he works miracles to deceive. Limitedly, yes, just like he was limited in Pharaoh's day. And we also said this about great deception. Great deception is coming on the world the closer we get to the coming of Jesus because in the days of Noah, Jesus said it's going to be the same way. What was in the days of Noah above everything else we said or along with everything else we said the greatest deception the world had ever known it was experiencing in Noah's day. Only eight people were saved. Out of the entire population, only eight people believed in God. Only eight were following God. The rest of them went to hell. The rest of them went to hell. Brother Randy, you sound cruel. No, I'm teaching you Bible. That's what the Bible says. It don't say those words. But when they were not in the ark, they wasn't saved. The only way to be saved was to be in that ark. And that was it. So maybe you are encouraged today. I pray that you're not discouraged today. 
But what we're going to do is just unhook from this train that we're on. You know what I mean? And then we can hook back up. Because, you know, we got, uh, what, five more services, I think, something like that. Woo, we could, we, could, we could sure get into something, five more services. I mean, you know what I mean? But the Lord has been good to us. Have we learned anything this morning? Have we seen anything from a different perspective, you know? And another thing is, if, if you missed it in any area, don't get down and out. You know what I mean? All of us have missed it. You know, I've, believe it or not, I missed it one time. Why? When I thought I was wrong one time, but I wasn't. But <laughs> I am joking. I am joking. I've missed it. Brother Hagin used to say it this way. He said, to, he said, is there anybody here in the service? And there'd be thousands of people. Thousands, sometimes 10 to 12 to 14,000. He said, is anybody in here that's never missed it before? He said, if there is, raise your hand and we're going to have an altar call for liars. He said, if there's anybody in here that has never missed it before, raise your hands and we're going to have an altar call for liars. He said, yeah, and that's what he said. So all of us have learned. All of us grow. All of us are maturing. And I'll tell you one way to easily miss it. I'm going to throw this in. How many journeys we got side? Well, we... One of the easiest ways to miss it is to follow the crowd. He said, Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto be Lord, Lord is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know what I mean? Listen, in Noah's day, everybody that followed the crowd missed the ark. They missed the ark. It was only eight people that was going the right way. And that don't mean that we don't learn from one another. That don't mean that we get in fear or be mean or not obnoxious to people or nothing. We walk in love, just like the Bible says. But what we do is we base our life on and we adhere to the written Word of God. That's what Jesus did when he confronted the devil in Matthew chapter 4. He just kept giving him the word. And that's what we do. Well, I believe you encouraged today. I believe you can run through a troop. And you probably can just run through the doggone wall too. I mean, some people leap over it, but I think we just run through it. You know what I mean? So don't get discouraged. You be encouraged. Amen. We're all learning, we're growing and developing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just break the powers of darkness over every individual under the sound of my voice. And I thank you that you fill them with joy. That you fill them with your ability. You fill them with your power in this supernatural hour. And I thank you they're going to walk in your way day by day. And they're going to fellowship with you along the way. And I thank you, Lord, that you're moving them into a place in the spirit that they've never been before. Oh, Lord, when they arrive there, I know that they're going to say, my, 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 I didn't even know this world existed. And Father, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I've preached myself happy. (laughs) I'm going to turn it to our pastor.